Welcome to the Al Foran Podcast, or should I say welcome back. We obviously recorded the last 10 episodes with Feed Ignite, and we took a little break. Um, some adjustments needed to be made. Of course, we have a sponsor on board. Yes, we are very, very proud to be sponsored by Betfred. Yeah, it's it's been... An eventful few months, but it's been a very productive few months for us, and we're so happy to have Beth Fred on board as a sponsor, and obviously Feed Ignite as well uh, have been producing the podcast. Yeah, it's just been really great, folks. It really has. I'm so excited to kickstart this new season of the podcast. We have some fantastic guests, and I'm delighted to announce that our first guest on the podcast is Tony Bellew. Yes, Tony the Bomber Bellew. I met Tony three years ago uh, at an event in London. He's just an absolute gentleman, a lovely guy. For all that he's achieved, for all the, you know, for all the fame that he that he has, he, he truly is just a really down-to-earth guy who has achieved so much in the ring. And we talk about that, we talk about his past, we talk about growing up in Toxteth in Liverpool, um, his amateur career, uh, breaking into the professional circuit, his rivalry with Nathan Cleverly. Uh, of course, folks, this is a two-part episode, so what we're going to cover in this is Tony growing up in Toxteth in Liverpool, his amateur background, professional career, uh, the rivalry with Nathan Cleverly, uh, and then the first fight with David Hay. Tony is just, he's a great guy to talk to. Just one of of the nicest guys out there and an absolute legend in boxing, a a true legend. So I really do hope you enjoy this, folks. This is the first episode of the Al Foran podcast and I'm so happy to kick it off with Tony Bellew. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit Betfred.com promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions. Tony Bellew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, pal. How are you? Absolute pleasure. Good, good, mate. Good. How has things been for you anyway? How has this lockdown, COVID, past six uh, months kind of been? Do you know what, mate? At the start, it was uh, it, it was tough. But then as time progressed, I actually started to enjoy it. Uh, I've become yeah. Gordon Ramsay overnight. <laughs> uh, Have you? So... I do all the cooking and I mean, I'll do anything as long as it's not fucking homeschooling. So, <laughs> pardon my French, I'll do anything as long as it's not homeschooling, I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, so, I am the cook in the house. She does the cleaning, she does the homeschooling. Yeah. And I try and chip in as much as I can with other bits and bobs, mate. Besides that, I've enjoyed spending time with my family. Uh, yeah. you, know, I've, you know, I've not long had my fourth child. Well, our fourth child. I've had another boy. Uh, I've got four boys. They say it takes a real man to produce a girl, so I've got absolutely no chance. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've got four boys, and, and my latest boy now is eight months old, and he's the he's out of me all four, four of his children. It's the first time I've ever got to just be at home and watch him grow. Yeah, that's amazing. So every day I've been home, and every day I've seen him switching on to different things and it's just mm. been brilliant mate it really has I've really enjoyed yeah. watching this this last baby grow up I really have you get to see all those little developments as well my, my little girl is 
she's 19 months old now. And um, I mean, that time that we had, my, my missus, she's a teacher. So she yeah. was obviously off for a long period. So the, the, the three of us just, we had the best time ever. I mean, she was yeah. just, she's grown right in front of her, her very eyes, but she, like, just some of the stuff she was doing and, and developing, it was just brilliant. It really was. I think we can count ourselves very lucky. It's just being nice, mate. It's lovely to spend time with them. Don't get me wrong, it's either to test the moments. You know, you'd be lying. Every, anyone who says, like, they live the perfect life. No, I, you know, you always see on on people's Instagram the highlights of their life. Yeah. Uh, I don't really put much of me that really personal life on social media. Mm. But if I did, mate, you know, I'd be sticking things like a shitty nappy on the screen. I would be doing things like <laughs> the throwing the food at me. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when he's spitting out the food, so... This is why I don't put the big personal bits on social media. Putting the shitty nappies into the, into the nappy bin. <laughs> That's it, mate. A lot of people tend to post of stuff that, oh, it's really good, my baby's just crawled today or whatever. Yeah. Well, my baby just wants to spit and scream and, <laughs> and you know, he's teething, so he wants yeah. to bite anything. Uh, so it, just it's, it's a lovely thing to do, mate, and I'm enjoying it, right? The first time I met you, Tony, was it was about I think it was maybe three years ago exactly. Um, and yeah. it was at a Papa John's event with uh, an, an, another impressionist from Liverpool, uh, Darren Farley. Yeah. Uh, we we <laughs> I remember we we were having great crack. I think we did a video with you as well. He was doing Steven Gerrard. I was doing Robert De Niro and all that malarkey. <laughs> So you know what, mate? I've still got the video on my phone to this day. Do you? <laughs> yes, I still have it. That's going to be in my collection, mate. When I get older, I tell the kids. I won't <laughs> let them actually watch the video. I'll just let them listen to it. And I'll say, kids, I was with this star. I was with that star. And they'll be like, no, you wasn't, Dad. You don't know him. And I'll be like, I do listen to the video. And they're like, let me watch it. And I'll be like, no, no, no. It's all about what you can hear, not what you can see. It's two, two normal blokes, one from Dublin, one from Liverpool. <laughs> was it. There's nothing normal about the people from them two places, mate, let me tell you. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about, about yourself. You grew up in Toxteth in Liverpool. I've seen in interviews where you talk about, about that certain area where you were from and, and yeah. kind of it, it, was, it was a tough enough area where you grew up in. I was born in Toxteth and raised in Wavertree, so I, I've yeah. grown up certain parts of my life in Toxteth, but yes, that's right, I was born in Toxteth and I say raised in Wavertree. Now, these places, them two places that I've just mentioned, Toxteth and Wavertree, they're literally 800 metres apart from each other. You can be yeah. in Wavertree and then walk six, 700 metres and then you can be in the middle of Toxteth, so they're on, they're on the doorstep of each other. A tough environment, tough neighbourhood, yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, if you wasn't willing to fight, I'll be totally honest, you wasn't going to survive. Uh, so, you know, you just, you had to, you know, be willing to, to stand up to people. Mm. Uh, you had to be willing to fight your own corner. And yeah, mate, that was it. You know, listening yeah. for me, someone like me growing up in them areas, I had to look after my little brother, which people didn't really know about. And now this has just recently come out on social media. Mm. Uh, my younger brother is, uh, is black and he's gay. Which would, mm. did not go down well in the in the late eighties, early nineties in Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's no reason why I am a professional boxer because I've had that many boxing matches on the street defending him. That I, yeah. That I, I forgot <laughs> how many exact bouts I've really had. So it's just listen. I wouldn't say I'm a. I'm a I'm, I've been 
neglected. I wouldn't say I've been. I, I went without. I didn't. You know, my father mm. always made sure we had. Me, I had. You know, my mother always was at home. Um, mm. But I, I grew up like all my other friends. You come from a broken home, but you mm. just get on with it. My my closest friends became my family growing up. Yeah. So I grew up with a gang of lads I went to school with, and they just became like my brothers. I've got three. I've got two older brothers and one younger. But you know, them mm. two left home. One went to university. One moved over to a different country. And uh, and me little brother, just you look out for him and look after him as best as you can, as big brothers yeah. do. How look? How, well, I mean, how lucky was he to have have a brother like you looking out for him as oh, well? Mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'd say that, but uh, <laughs> yes, he, he really, really was, mate. Because let me tell you, anyone else in that area would not have fought the battles that I fought mm. for him. I can definitely guarantee that. I mean, it's a great thing about about society today as well compared to. I mean, this is only. 30, 30 odd years ago, maybe you're talking there. And, um, you know, we've progressed so much as a society that, you know, your brother is, is now accepted in society. It's baffling, isn't it, when you think about, you know, how it was back then. It really is. Oh, it is, mate. I'd say we live in, we seem to live in a different world now than what it yeah. was in the past. But yeah. it's, uh, he's very fortunate, mate. You know, he's got himself a good little job. He was actually on the telly the other night. Uh, was he? I didn't like, yeah, he was on the telly doing this. It's a hotel, it's on BBC One at 8 o'clock, it was last night. Mm. Uh, something to do with a hotel in Liverpool. I don't really watch much telly, especially anything to do with social media or people and stuff like that. Yeah. But he was on it, and by all accounts, it was supposed to be really good. I don't even watch myself on TV, never mind my brother. So, yeah, it was supposed to be quite good, mate. But, you know, we'll see. Speaking of yourself on TV, how was your experience on the SAS show? I know you've been talking about it. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I, knew, I knew this was coming. Uh, you know what? Physically, it wasn't that bad. And I don't think it was yeah. supposed to be that bad physically. Mentally is where, where I think it got the likes of me. Uh, yeah. But it, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it. Mm. I didn't anticipate my personal life coming out the way it did, and I didn't want it to, but yeah. it did. Uh, and I suppose it's cool because it shows that, you know, people kind of paint boxes out to be like these superhuman supermen at times. Mm. And I've always forever told people I'm no different than anyone else. I'm the exact same. Don't make me out to be something I'm not. Yeah. And uh, it, I think it's shown on that show. Once again, I haven't seen it back. I haven't watched any of it. Mm. But everybody who's seen me said, oh, you've done great. It was a yeah. brilliant, you know, portrayal of yourself and stuff like that. So... I don't know what you guys have seen, but I definitely know what it went through, and it wasn't nice. Yeah, well, I think you did great. I really did. Thank you. Thank you no, very you, much. You did do fantastic. I, I, you know, and I've heard you in, in interviews before, and, and I've met you on a couple of occasions, and any time I've met you, it's been an absolute pleasure. And you seem Thank like you. you're, such a, you're such a friendly a friendly giant, in, in a sense, every time I meet you. So when you kind I try of... try to be, lad. When you talk about yourself kind of I suppose you talk about your past a bit and you say that there's some things in your past that you kind of regret that comes as it, yes. kind of, it comes as a massive surprise to me because if, you know I've, I meet you and you're you're calm and you're happy and you talk about your, your yeah. again you talk about your four boys you gave me fatherly advice when we were doing those two gigs in Scotland last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just experiences me I've been through as yeah. I said I'm not I think everybody has certain parts of their life that they're not proud of or certain things that they've done. It's just that not many people will open up and say that. I just don't care. Uh, mm. I've, had, I've been through good times. I've been through bad times. I've been through times where 
I'm skint and I don't know where the next pound's coming from. So I've had to do unsavory things to earn money. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing really that I haven't really gone through in life, to be honest, though. Yeah. And there's nothing that I haven't done. But then once again, uh, some people will say, oh, that's the bad that you've done that. That was wrong to do this or wrong to do that. Well, at the time, it was the only thing I could do. Yeah. And do I regret some of them? Absolutely, yes. But would I do them again? to make ends meet to do what I've done 100% yes I would because mm. all that matters to me in this world was providing for your kids and your family mm. uh, so as I say you know most people have been in different situations and stuff like that in life and circumstances change for people and they never want to like kind of admit to the bad things they've done in life or admit to some of the things that, they, that they're not very proud of I, I just say now it is that we've all done things that we're not proud of no, you, nobody in this world is perfect mate absolutely nobody I would say I would say as I've grown older I've become more comfortable in myself of of, of these things and talking about them but uh, it's nothing new mate yeah it is what it is no one's different than anybody else yeah but speaking of of making ends meet the the main thing the main income for you was um, obviously boxing Um, yes 2007 that's 2007 you went pro but you had a great time in the amateur circuit as well. Yes. From around 2002 up to 2007. I loved I loved the amateur boxing. I really did, mate. I enjoyed it. It was brilliant. Uh, we were a team and it was something yeah. that I really enjoyed doing. The only bad thing about the amateur boxing game was that it was very political. Okay. I'd say that was the only that was the only downside. I wanted to go to tournaments. I wanted to represent my country in different places. Mm. And and I was reigning ABA champion three years running. I went around the country, went around the world boxing for my country. I didn't get selected for certain tournaments, but you know it's not a problem. At the end of the day, amateur boxing was never the the foregone the end result for me. I always wanted to be a professional fighter. I studied professional yeah. boxing as a child. I, I idolized the likes of your Roy Jones Juniors. I mean, I was talking about Roy Jones before anyone in this country even knew who he was yeah. I was studying Floyd May I used to go to Rotunda and tell the guys who Floyd Mayweather was they never had the slightest clue Yeah, uh, I would sit down with my coach at the time his name was Mick McAllister he was a student of the game like me and I remember him saying watch this guy watch that guy and he amazed and I go Mick I've already seen him and, and he'd go like what do you mean you go, how did you see him I was like I remember the first time we seen Jermaine Taylor uh, he'd come back from the Olympic Games and he was just I knew this kid was going to be good I yeah. knew it. I just, yeah, I knew it was going to be quality. I remember him going in with Ben Hopkins in his first fight, and everyone wrote him off and thought Ben Hopkins was going to be too good for him. So, all these things, I always looked towards the professional game. That was always the end goal for me, the end yeah. game. Yeah, absolutely. But I still I still look back on my amateur career with, with great fondness. You know, we were a team then. I boxed mm-hmm. with a Tundra ABC, and I was Rotunda through and through. I still go to the gym today. Yeah. Uh, I love helping the gym out in any way I can. It's a, it's a great place. Without the four walls of the Thunder ABC, I wouldn't be where I am today, 100%. Yeah. And without meeting Jimmy Albertina, Teddy Quinn, Noel Corliss, <laughs> Mark Kenny, all these people, these are people who, who helped amateur boxing gyms and helped boxers on the circuit over the years. Mm. Without meeting them people, I would never have got to where I got in the end. So I'm very, mm. very thankful, very honoured to, for them people to have been in my life. But that one person who I said before, Jimmy Albertina, I feel like he helped shape my life towards boxing. He yeah. made me realise and believe in myself that I could really make something of myself. So without Jimmy Albertina, I don't I genuinely don't think I would have pursued the, the role of being a professional boxer without the shadow without because it was just mm-hmm. too hard, mate. It was, being an amateur boxer in the Thunder ABC was so hard. I absolutely dreaded 
Tuesday nights when I used to have to turn up at the gym to do a run. <laughs> and they used to make us run, mate, till I'd spew up every time I would spew my guts up. And yeah. the way we would run, I mean, I would have to run with the likes of Joseph Selkirk, Stephen Smith. Uh, and they were just whippets. They were kids who could just run and run yeah. forever. I remember Joe McNally, Declan O'Rourke. They, these kids could run. And then my big fat ass at the back, mate, was trying, <laughs> my best to keep up, trying your best to keep up with them. You have to run to a time. It was horrible, but you know the, the good memories. And without them times, without them, without that struggle, there would, would have been no progress. Mm. And I always say, I say that to me kids now. You know, without struggle, there is no process. There is no progress. Sorry, hundred percent. You you, you so, need to you need to have the downs in order to achieve the ups. That's that's the way of it. Hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. As I said, struggle to progress, and yeah. that is the way it goes, mate. One hundred percent. So you go pro in two thousand and seven. You win the Commonwealth yeah. title in 2010. Yeah. You're going on a run and then you come up against this fella called Nathan Cleverly, who you've spoken yeah. about on, on, on plenty of occasions. Um, yeah. It's, that's, he, obviously, that's your first loss in 2011. Um, yeah. I mean, how, what, what, what was your thought process, obviously, when... When you lost that fight, no, do you know what? You know with that fight, I, I still, and I still think this day, it's one that I never thought I'd actually lost. So mm. for me, it wasn't too bad. I wasn't ashamed of myself. I didn't want to hide away. I didn't want to be, a, you know, it was okay after that lost. You know, when they said I lost him, because I thought I beat him, so I could just went straight back to gym and focused and concentrated yeah. and done what I needed to do yeah. the real shattered and lost really came when I lost for the first time truly was against Adonis Stevenson now that was the hard one to take yeah. you know after losing to Adonis Stevenson I felt like my world had collapsed it was horrible I was in Canada it was minus 20 minus 28 yeah. I lost to Adonis Stevenson in, in devastating fashion I'd been stopped on my feet uh, and I remember just going back to my room that night my hotel room in Canada just crying myself to sleep because yeah. you'd think I've Put 10, 10 to 15 years in this game mm. and I've got absolutely nothing to show for it. I, I don't own my house. You know, I, I'm, I'm renting a house. I was doing this, I was doing that. Uh, and I was thinking, where am I going with this? But, you know, I thought, I've got to try and reinvent myself straight away. I knew I was always moving up in weight. Yeah. I was never planning on defending the WBC Light Everweight title because I absolutely butchered myself to make weight. Yeah. Uh, so the plan was to beat it on a Stevenson because he was the number one Light Everweight in the world. I would have been straight away, you know, right in there as the best mm. Light Everweight in the world. And then my plan was to jump straight to Cruiserweight and get a title shot, which you would have been able to do off the back of such a remarkable victory against someone like Adana Stevenson. Mm. It didn't work out. So I had to go back to drawing board and that was very, very hard to do, but I'd done it. I built myself up a couple of wins and then I goes into the rematch with the fellow we were talking about in the first instance. Yeah. And it was in that rematch where I had my career on the line, uh, mm. everything to prove, because as I had said to everyone, the only reason that first fight was so close was because I got tired because I was absolutely dead at the weight. I went into the rematch and just outworked. Everyone always went on, I don't Nathan Cleverly about how great his cardio is he's just a machine he's so fit he never stops mm. well in the rematch I went in there now worked the cardio machine I yeah. ran the treadmill to, to, the, to the floor meet I actually ran him off the park so it wasn't a great display for the fans watching but mm. it was absolutely brilliant for me doing it because I proved yeah. everyone wrong saying that I was going to beat this guy 
I went out there and I'd done it, mate. And once again, I'd shut the doubters up. And that's what mm-hmm. massive parts of my career was all about. Yeah, definitely a sense of overconfidence as well with Nathan going into that second fight. Yeah, yeah. he was, he was, he, you know, he was, he was arrogant. And he, and he always had that air of arrogance about him. He, bored, he was borderline on it. So I, I never liked him. I still don't like him. Mm. Uh, you know, we're not we're with two people who will always clash and not get on. He's someone who's uh, who thinks he's better than people because he's got a maths degree. Uh, mm. Just because you can add up me doesn't mean you're better than anybody. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I don't believe I'm better than anyone in this world, whether you're a professional boxer or whether you're begging for money in the street, you know, you're no better than me, but I'm no better than you. Yeah. So, yeah, I say, he looked down his nose, yeah, I'll always think he's a gobshite, my, my mate, it'll always be the same, it'll always stick with me. So, yeah. I don't give him much thought these days, all the only thoughts that I give towards him is, I proved everyone wrong going into that rematch, and I mm. beat him the way I said I'd beat him. Well, he was certainly, uh, that fight, the second fight was certainly a stepping stone because, kind of the big, the big fight that came next, and it's what you describe as, the greatest night of your life in your beloved Goodison Park, uh, knocking out Ilunga Makabu in the third round. Yeah. Um, how, like, how was that? I mean, that must have been absolutely incredible. My lifelong dream and goal all rolled into that one night. It really was. It. Uh, I still can't put it into words out what it meant. It was just an unbelievable night that that will stick with me forever. I mean. Walking into the, I couldn't believe it was happening. We turned it round in a five-week period. Mm. Uh, myself and Eddie M at match room. It was mission impossible. Don't forget, there's never been a bout of Goodison Park, and there'll probably never be one ever again. Yeah, it fell on a week. Boxing happened on a Sunday, a bank holiday Sunday, which has never happened before. It just everything fell right for me that night. Yeah, uh, and that left hook. I've heard fighters say, you know, the punch from the gods. I'm not someone who really believes in all that nonsense, but. It was a punch from my from my fat ass that landed right on his chin, mate, and put him to sleep. So it was just, it made the greatest night of my career by an absolute mile. People will always touch on and go, oh, what about the David A fights and stuff? They don't even come close to the night. Yeah. I fulfilled my lifelong dream. I obviously remember the De Hay fights, but that's the one in particular that sticks out in my mind. I think, I think it's because you're such... So you're one of the biggest Everton fans I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so the fact that <laughs> the fact that you know you, you beat you beat you know you knocked it out in such emphatic fashion. Oh, mate! In, in so just once, once me, once me, family's out of the equation. Everton are the most important thing in my life, which is pretty sad. But you can't change what you are, mate. <laughs> you know it is what it is. It's just it's one of them things. I loved every minute of it. You know it was absolutely amazing, mate. Mm. You know. That night, walking to the ring. Uh, <laughs> whenever I think back about boxing, now I always think about Goodison Park and that that night. It can never ever be topped, mate. Yeah. Never ever be topped. And obviously, you know, after that fight, a lot of the opportunities arose. Um, obviously, you knocked out BJ Flores, who was a good pal of David Hayes. Um, and David Hayes. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, uh, did he? Did they show up to the Creed premiere to try and kind of get a bit of? Yes, they did, mate. They did. Uh, they just, I suppose, wanted a bit of press, bit of publicity. They always like doing all that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, cringeworthy, if you'd ask me. Yeah. But you know what can you do? Mm. David was invited, probably, but BJ Flowers just just hung on his coattails. So. 
Uh, I enjoyed beating them up, mate. Mm. An absolute plonker of the highest order. But uh, <laughs> I'd done them good and proper uh, when, I, when I come to locking on to them. I really did. As I did never want to fight BJ Flores. Eddie Ann's idea was uh, all Eddie Ann's idea, the BJ Flores fights. I wanted to fight Demetrio Kucha in mm. defence of my first WBC title defence, but we ended up getting locking on to BJ Flores. I said, we can do it as long as David Hay is commentating on the fights. And he was like, why are you bothered if David Hay is commentating on the fight? And I said, you just make sure David Hay is commentating on the fight when I slap his mate all over the ring. He did commentate on the fight, and the minute I'd finished slapping BJ all over that ring, I set up on David Hamey because... <laughs> yeah. Do you ever remember the, you ever the programme Red Dwarf? Yeah, yeah. Or do, you, do you remember the guy with the H on his head? <laughs> well, David A had a pound sign on his head to me, right the way H had the pound had the sign on his head and Red Dwarf. That's what I seen when I seen David Hay. He's someone I always knew I could beat. And... Uh, <laughs> against all the odds mate I go in the ring with him and I beat him not once but twice and mm. I defy the, all the odds again I say they, the they're the best part of my career where all the odds are against me the, the first fight I, I remember fondly because that was actually the night where I went up on stage with Floyd Mayweather in Birmingham and it was that fight yeah two defined we both had, a, had quite a, a defining night but it was on the fight was on before Floyd showed up. I think he. I think he. He was delaying it all. He was watching the fight. Ah, okay. <laughs> in the back, but yeah, it was on the big screen, and I remember. And then obviously, we oh, he's actually watched me fight. I didn't even know. <laughs> I think you've yeah. told me the story before, but I just forgot. But yeah, mate, it was. Uh, I enjoyed that night massively. I was wrote off by every man and his dog. Yeah, and then obviously, when it came to the second fight, there wasn't much talk, and there wasn't much trash talk compared no. to the first fight. It was. It, Conservative. It, it, it was a, you know what made it was it was strictly business for the second fight yeah. because I'd promised them the rematch I'd given, and I went in there. Now this time I had a lot of pressure on my shoulders because of the first fight, uh, everyone writes me off, every man and his dog, and it's like, okay, well we'll see. And everyone goes, you only beat him because he had one leg. Well, if I remember correctly, I mean for five rounds he was swinging for the lights, couldn't mm. land clean on me chin, and got frustrated. And then that's when something snaps. In the rematch, there was no excuses. He was 100%. He was perfectly fine. Uh, and he got dealt with. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit betfred.com slash promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions. And that is the end of part one, folks. He's a stand-up guy, I have to say. Uh, there was a lot more to talk about, obviously, in the second part. I hope you guys enjoy. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to the first episode of the podcast. Greatly appreciated. There's a lot more to come. And part two will be available very soon. So thanks, folks. Take care. Take care.